0: Good morning, it's a privilege to be with you again and to minister the word this morning. You can turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 12 and 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses 12 through 13. So I'll read our text and then I'll ask the Lord's help in prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Let's pray together. Lord God, we we come to you this morning as uh, our shepherd, the one who saves us, leads us, the one who brings us to green pastures and leads us beside still waters, the one who restores our soul. Lord, we pray this morning that you would give us grace, that your mercy would Be with us as we consider this text, Lord, I pray that you would give me grace, Lord, to speak truth passionately in love. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the wonders that are in this ordinary text, this ordinary request from the Apostle Paul, that we would see your loving hand and how you guide and provide for the good of our souls through the work of ordinary men, Help us to see these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, this, uh, it's a, a joy to be here again. And um, I'm so happy to uh, hear that you've called Matt Morgan to be an intern preacher. Uh, I'm happy for you as a, as a congregation to have someone more permanent here to, to teach you regularly. And, and I'm happy and excited for Matt and his family. I'm excited for um, the privilege for for Matt to be in a position of full-time preaching of the gospel. It's a wonderful um, privilege and joy to be able to do that. So let me get my water bottle open here. There we go. So I thought this text is a fitting text for this occasion because in this passage we have an exhortation by the Apostle Paul to the congregation in Thessalonica and he's asking them pleading with them to show proper appreciation to those men who by their hard work lead and teach them so I thought this would be a fitting text for for this occasion and I chose this text not because I think you're in danger of un, underappreciating Matt and his preaching ministry but because uh, we, we need a reminder in this text is a needed reminder to all of us of how Jesus Christ has chosen to work through gifted and called men for the good and the growth of his church, his people. It reminds us uh, of the gratitude and love that we owe, first of all, to the Lord, who sovereignly rules for our good, and secondly, That we what we owe to the human instruments of the Lord who labor and study and lead for the spiritual good of our souls. Because we're naturally prone to forget right to take for granted uh, the benefits that we've received and then to take the next step and despise and neglect those good things and those people that God has placed over us for our good. We need to be reminded, just as Paul reminded the Thessalonians. So before we get into expounding the parts of this text, I want to step back a second and look that there's a general principle in the scriptures that lies behind this text. And that general principle is expressed in the fifth commandment. So if you would, turn over to Exodus chapter 20 remind ourselves of the fifth commandment. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. Now, if you've studied the the Ten Commandments, uh, you've come to see that uh, the commandment usually stands for or summarizes a larger principle than what it's the specific words that it's saying right so honor your father and mother well father and mother are what the most basic um, structure uh, authority structure of society right and so implied in this commandment is not just the honoring of father and mother but the honoring of all authority structures that God has instituted not just parents but also governing authorities and also church authorities and part of the reason for this honor and respect and esteem that we should have is because we benefit from the labor and the proper function of these authorities right so children all that you have is provided for you by the hard work of your parents they work so that you can have food clothing a good education right parents often deny themselves of good things they might have or get so that they might benefit their children in some way right they sacrifice and of course this hard work and sacrifice should be recognized by you and then returned right returned to them in respectful gratitude And esteem and submissive obedience to your parents. This is what God requires of you. This is what the commandment requires. To honor, to esteem those authorities that are over you. Children towards parents. And so we also see this principle applying not only to parents but then moving over to governing authorities. Turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, again applying this same honor and submission to authorities, now to the governing authorities. Romans chapter 13, verse 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And again, I would remind you that Paul is writing this under the Roman Empire, Right? An authority that was not very favorable to Christians, to the church. But yet he still says the authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Verse 2, therefore whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive His approval. Verse 4. For he is God's servant for your good. The governing authorities. Those who are in power right now. Are God's servants for our good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God. An avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So we see that even from the governing authorities, God has instituted these things for our good. Right? The work of our government, both local and national, brings us inestimable benefits security from dangers both foreign and domestic and a generally peaceful and orderly society an economy that allows us to to work and to provide for our needs and even above that even to grow in wealth right we are blessed we are blessed not everyone in the world experiences the peace and prosperity that we experience And the scripture says that it's partly because God has instituted authorities that work for our good. We are deriving benefits from the work of others. Just as children derive benefits from the work of their parents, citizens derive benefits from the work of those who govern in authority over them. And so because of that, we owe them something. Verse 6, Romans chapter 13 verse 6. For because of this you also pay taxes right tax time is coming for the authorities are ministers of God according uh, attending to this very thing pay to all what is owed to them taxes to whom taxes are owed revenue to whom revenue is owed respect to whom respect is owed honor to whom honor is owed so again we see The fifth commandment, the the principle of the fifth commandment. And this text here reminds us of what we owe to these God-ordained authorities. Payment, if they require payment. Respect, honor. So now we, we see the general principle, the general biblical principle. We're to respect and honor those whom God has put in authority because we benefit from their work now of course turning back to our text in 1st Thessalonians of course Paul does not have in mind here parents or government officials right our our text is not talking about parents or government officials it's talking about another kind of authority right in verse 12 we ask you brothers 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12 we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Right? He's talking about, obviously, those who minister the word to them. They're preachers, they're teachers, they're elders, they're pastors. Right? That's who Paul has in mind. He's talking about honoring those in the church who lead through their teaching or oversight ministry. And of course, this generally refers to the ministry of the elders. Paul is calling the Thessalonian congregation to know and consider the spiritual good that is done to them day by day, week by week, by the labor of their elders, their pastors and their teachers. And this this church in Thessalonica was a relatively young church. Right? We read in the book of Acts, Paul didn't spend very much time there. Because of persecution, he had to leave. Right? These guys probably didn't have an Apostle Paul leading their church. You might say, well, yeah, if the Apostle Paul was my pastor, whew, yeah, we'd honor him. Well, these Thessalonians probably didn't have an apostle. They probably had plain men who were saved under the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And was it Barnabas Silas, I think, that was with them? Paul, Silas, and Timothy, right? They they had probably had ordinary men ministering to them. But they were called to, to honor them. So we see that just as God provides for the nurture and care of children by providing parents, and just as God provides for the general good of society by establishing governments, So Jesus Christ, the head of the church, has provided for the nurture and care of his people. And how has he done that? Well, first and foremost, Jesus has given us his word and his spirit. And by that spirit, he gifts and he calls men to offices that are outlined in the scriptures, in the word, to work for the good of his people. So turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Oop, I'm going the wrong direction. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 7. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So now we have this picture of Christ after the resurrection, at his ascension, right? Like a conquering king. Here's Christ, a conquering king. He has conquered death. He has risen from the dead. And as a victorious king is entering the city, he would lavish his gifts and the spoils, right, on his people. Here's the spoils of victory. So Christ is doing that by giving grace and gifts to his people for the good of his church, right? So he's ascending on high giving gifts to men. Now, what are these gifts? We see this in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we have this picture of victorious Christ giving gifts to his people. And these gifts are offices, apostles, prophets, right? The, the apostles came first to lay the foundation of the church. But then he gives some to be evangelists, preachers of the gospel, he gives others to be shepherds of his church, teachers of the word. And what are these gifts to do? To equip the saints, right? to bring the body, to, to build up the body, to bring it to unity, to bring it to maturity. Right? So this is Christ, how Christ rules his church. Again, he is, Jesus does not appear in every church on Sunday morning and say, OK, I'm the head of the church. I'm here to minister to you. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He gifts those among his people. He gifts certain men to preach, to teach, to shepherd and through them he ministers to his people through his word and by his spirit. This is his, his order of doing things. Right. This is the way the church functions. So through the labor of called men speaking the truth in love the church is built up helped to reach maturity to be guarded against the winds of satan's cunning and his deceit so i want us to turn again back to our passage again so now that we have this foundation this principal foundation behind this text i want us to now look at uh, the specifics in this text this 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 Verse 12, I want us to see the work of preachers, teachers, elders, and the benefits they bring to you so that you might hold them in esteem. So one of the main points here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13 is to stir up the congregation to consider the benefits they receive from the work of preachers and elders. And Paul does this with the phrase, because of their work, right? In uh, verse 13, right? Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And we should ask, what work, right? What work do these preachers and elders do? What what do they do that benefits me? What, What good do I receive from them? Well, Paul describes this work. With three phrases. And number one, the first phrase he says is labor. Right? We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you. Right? The Greek word kopiao means labor, toil, hard work. Right? This same word is used of Peter in Luke chapter 5, verse 5, when he was out fishing all night. Right? I don't really... Fishing to me is not labor, it's fun. But. but I guess if Peter, for him it was labor. Right? He, he was working, toiling all night. The same word is used in Second Timothy chapter two, verse six about the hard working farmer who is to receive the first of the crops. So the first thing to realize is that the work of a preacher, teacher, or elder is real hard work. The long hours of study and preparation for teaching. The work of prayer for the church. The work of counseling. Serious and sensitive cases in the church that takes wisdom. The concern for the welfare of the flock. Right? Paul talked about how that concern for the, his, the churches that he had planted was a weight upon him. This, is, this work is taxing on the mind the body, and the heart, sometimes especially the heart. Many have an unrealistic view of pastoral work. They think, oh, it would be so great to be able to drink coffee all day and read my Bible all day long. They don't realize the intense mental, physical, and spiritual labor that is involved in preaching and pastoring. Paul would remind us that your leaders... Do real, legitimate work. And then the next two phrases describe what that work is. The next phrase Paul uses he says, Those who are over you in the Lord. This word means to lead, to rule, or to manage. This refers to the leadership and oversight ministry of the elders. The elders are called as stewards of Jesus Christ. To manage and lead his people according to the instructions of Scripture. They are to be the faithful and wise managers that Jesus mentions in Luke chapter 12, verse 42. And they are to follow their master's instructions to the letter. This oversight includes faithfully dealing with souls, right? Faithfully dealing when unbelievers come in and they can talk and have conversation with unbelievers... ...to share the gospel with them... ...to deal with their souls... ...to deal with believing souls... ...faithfully... ...faithfully administering... ...the sacraments of the church... ...baptism and the Lord's Supper... ...faithfully counseling believers... ...through various problems... ...trials and sins... ...faithfully administering... ...loving... ...discipline and rebuke when necessary... These are hard things to do sometimes. Leading the congregation and stewarding the various resources that the church has in a biblically faithful way. And all of this oversight is to be done with the fearful understanding that they will give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ one day. That is serious. That That is a serious review day. Right? And many of you in your jobs, you might have a supervisor, a boss that comes in to review how, how you're doing in your job. Are you being efficient? Right? The pastor, the elder, the preacher will have that day with Jesus Christ. He will walk in and say, okay, let's review your labor for me. You handled things that were precious to me. The word of God, the gospel, the truth, Souls that I purchased with my blood. How did you handle that? That is a fearful thing. And it's meant to bring the fear of God into the heart of those who would preach and teach and lead the church of God. They're over you in the Lord. They oversee your soul. They oversee your growth and prosperity in the Lord. The third thing that Paul says that these leaders do they admonish you now this word means to teach or to instruct or to exhort and this refers to the teaching ministry of the elders one of the main responsibility of the elders is to to teach although that responsibility is not limited to the elders our confession says and scripture verifies that other men who are Verified and called may preach as well. Yet the elders are generally the ones who are overseeing and carrying out this responsibility. What does this responsibility include? The teaching of the scriptures. First and foremost, the teaching of the scriptures. The proclamation of the gospel to proclaim salvation in Jesus Christ. Repentance of sin, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ instruction and sound doctrine right catechizing teaching the sound fundamentals of the faith so that you're well grounded in the faith and not led away by all these strange teachings that come all the time and they're also called to call you to apply the scriptures to obey the scriptures by this ministry by this ministry of the word we are taught the truth By the ministry of the word, the the person and the work of Jesus Christ is continually set before you so that you may know Christ better, so that you might trust him more deeply and rest in him more fully. The Spirit uses the ministry of the word to beget faith in those who hear, to save the lost. He uses this ministry to grow and mature his people. He uses this ministry, as the rest of 1 Thessalonians 5 says, to admonish the idle, to encourage the faint-hearted, and strengthen the weak. John Calvin summarizes it well in his commentary on this verse. He says, now this work of the ministers is the edification of the church, the everlasting salvation of souls, the restoration of the world, and in short, the kingdom of God in Christ. <laughs> Do you see preaching that way? This is what happens when we proclaim the word of God. The church is edified. Souls are saved. The world is being transformed and the kingdom of Christ is coming. So Calvin finishes, the excellence and dignity of this work are inestimable inestimable so in light of these three things the labor the oversight and the teaching ministry of the elders Paul urges three responses from the congregation three responses towards your leaders and again we see these uh, the first one is in verse 12 we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you If you're reading of the King James, it says, know them, right? Know them that labor among you. So the literal meaning of the word used is to know, know them. But that does not seem to give the sense in which Paul is using this term. So that's why many translations choose other words like acknowledge those, that's NIV. Appreciate those who labor among you, new American standard recognize new king james give recognition to the holman christian standard bible or esv says respect so we get the the spectrum of these words gives us an idea of what paul is trying to communicate right the idea seems to be that we need to give respectful recognition to those who occupy the office of teacher or elder to those whom God has gifted and the church has recognized as qualified and called to serve in these offices. So, just as we would call children to acknowledge their parents, that is, give them the honor due to them, or citizens are commanded to give recognition to civil authorities. So, Christians are called, first of all, to be members of a local congregation. And to give to the leaders of those congregations the proper acknowledgement and respect that is fitting their office. Know them. Acknowledge. Give recognition to them as those called by God and over you in the Lord. The second phrase that Paul uses here. He says, esteem them highly in love. Esteem them highly in love. This phrase teaches us that we should have a valuable and dear estimation of those who teach and watch over us in the Lord. See, there's there's a correlation, right? The honor and esteem that we have for a person usually correlates with the greatness of the service that we receive from them, right? We appreciate the guy who mows our lawn. Thanks, buddy but we highly esteem the doctor who performs a triple bypass and saves our life, right? We, lo- we like the guy, the guy that mows the lawn. We appreciate that. But if you save our life, the, the dearer the service that you give to us, the more highly we esteem that person. So in the same way, if we're called to honor parents... If we're called to honor governing authorities who benefit our physical lives, how much more should we show honor and appreciation to those who work for the eternal good and the salvation of our souls? There's no comparison, right? There's no comparison. So I want to encourage you, Christian, look. Give thanks to God. He has given you helpers. Shepherds and teachers, men who love the word and are competent to teach that word, men who fear God and aim to please him in everything, gifted men whose purpose is to help you along the narrow way and to see you by God's grace all the way to glory. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Pilgrim's Progress. There was a second part to that book right, where Christian's wife, Christiana, goes to, uh, has her own pilgrimage to, to Zion, right? And so it's, this book is quite different, right? The first part is Christian and these other men hopeful and they're just kind of on their own and they're fighting and battling their way all the way to the gates. But the second part deals with women and children. There's Christiana and her children and mercy. They're weak people. And early on in their journey, they get assaulted by some robbers on the road and so they send back and ask for a guide for someone to help them and the Lord sends to them great heart right this character great heart who has a sword and a shield and is going to accompany them on this journey he's going to fight with them and defend them and guide them Christians this is what God has given you in ministers of the gospel He's given you men with a great heart. You are, you are not on this journey alone. He does not just send you on this road. Christianity is not this individualistic religion. Just you go have your faith on the mountain and we'll see you at the gates if you make it there. No, he has called us into a community. Covenant communities. And in that community, he has gifted, he has given gifts to his people in the form of men gifted and called and qualified to teach you the truth to guide you in the way men who have some measure of wisdom not all wisdom but a measure who have some measure of maturity in the Lord to help you and walk with you and counsel you and compare that with other situations, consider that even today there are people perishing without a gospel witness. No preacher of the gospel in their own language to tell them the good news. And here you are under the ministry of the gospel. And there are others in this world who are under the ministry of false teachers, confused and led astray, wandering all over the place, unable To figure out the truth because they're following blind guides. But here you are. What a gift. What a privilege to be in a biblical church. Enjoying the faithful ministry of the word under godly men. What a privilege. What a help God has given to you. And here is the question. Do you value it? Do you see the privilege that God has given you? Do you see the inestimable benefits of God's grace upon you in such ordinary ways? Do you esteem this privilege the way that you should? I pray that God would help us to do it. The last thing uh, we see in verse 13. So Paul tells them to know them. To honor them, he tells them to esteem them highly in love. And then at the end of verse 13, we see, Be at peace among yourselves. Now, this applies to all the relationships in the congregation, but we can apply it also to our relationship with our leaders. We should be at peace with those who lead us in the church. We should not resist or strive or be in opposition to those who are shepherding us and trying to do good to our soul. We should not be like the Israelites who constantly strove and opposed Moses at every turn. All right, don't, don't you just scratch your head when you read that? In, in, in the Old Testament, Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. and Good grief, what is wrong with these people? I mean, here's Moses who faced danger and he probably thought certain death going back into Egypt, risked his neck to save these people, to be the instrument of God. And when they finally get out, all these guys can do is just grumble about every decision Moses makes. Let us not be those people, but how often we are. But this respect and esteem that Paul urges us to have for our leaders should lead us to have a meek and cooperative attitude towards those God has appointed to help us for our good. And this is the idea that we see conveyed in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. He calls us to have a, a meek, submissive spirit to cooperate. Because, again, the work of these men is what? Your eternal good, your growth in the Lord, your ultimately your salvation. Why would you kick against that? Why would you resist that? Right, We think about, well, that's what children do, right? When you're trying to do something good for them and help them, they kick and scream the whole way. Let us not be immature children. Let us be mature believers. Strive for peace with those who are working for our good. So again, what, what an occasion of joy this is. I was so Happy! I did not expect to ask to be called to come and, and preach here again. I thought, well, okay, Matt's, Matt's got it. But when I heard I was, they asked me to come in, and preach on this day, I thought, oh, yes, thank you, God. Again, what a, what a happy occasion that God has provided a man to labor full time in preaching and teaching you the word. What a joy that God has sustained this congregation through many troubled times, but has continued to provide faithful men to keep shepherding and feeding this flock. What a sign of God's goodness and grace to you. Really, what a sign of God's goodness and grace to you. So I urge you to thank God, to appreciate Christ's ministry to you through these men to not despise the ordinary means of grace coming to you through the ordinary labor of ordinary men, because these are Christ's instruments to do you eternal good. So let's close by giving thanks to the Lord. Father God, we do give you thanks. Lord, you are gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and faithfulness and Lord we thank you and praise you for your goodness to this local church Lord and providing for them a man to preach the gospel to them faithfully I pray you would strengthen Matt and give him grace as he studies the word I pray you would open his eyes to see wonderful things in your word as he studies give him words to communicate those wonders to your people and give your people a heart of gratitude and thankfulness to you and to the men you've sent to help them and labor among them, Lord. Lord Jesus, we give you praise and thanks that you do build your church, you govern your church, you work in your church through the word and through the spirit and through the labor of ordinary men. And so I pray that You would cause us to to be thankful, to be grateful, and to be at peace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.